0: Welcome to The Thing About Austen, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan.
1: And I'm Diane. And this episode, we're talking about Michaelmas We are taking our reference from the first chapter in Pride and Prejudice, just moments after Mrs. Bennett informs her husband that Netherfield is let at last. Sweet music to all of our ears. <laughs> and she is just so excited to tell her husband all the details. Mr. <laughs> Bennett, he needs to know everything.
0: So this is from Mrs. Bennett. Why, my dear, you must know. Mrs. Long says that Netherfield is taken by a young man of large fortune from the north of England that he came down on Monday in a chaise and four to see the place and was so much delighted with it that he agreed with Mr. Morris immediately that he is to take possession before Michaelmas and some of his servants are to be in the house by the end of next week. She is excited. (laughs) She's like, listen, hubby, I've got, I've got info. (laughs) I have done my reconnaissance.
1: Mrs. Bennett knows what is happening in the neighborhood (laughs) at all times. She's got like a spy
0: network with Mrs. Long, right? I love it.
1: So before we get into the actual episode, we want to take a moment to acknowledge everyone who requested this topic. Mm -hmm. This is actually one of our most requested episode topics. Thank you to everyone who so enthusiastically requested this topic. Mm -hmm. You all really want to know about Michaelmas, and we want to talk about Michaelmas. That's right. And also apologies if my voice sounds a little bit off. I am recovering from the flu, so.
0: Yeah. So Michaelmas is September 29th, and it's called the Festival of St. Michael and All Angels. It should be noted that this episode is being published on Michaelmas Day. We've been planning to do an episode on Michaelmas for a while now because we did have so many requests, and we realized that this year, our regular release day, for episodes just coincides with michaelmas so we've purposely scheduled this as a michaelmas moment just for you gentle listeners
1: <laughs> a michaelmas treat as it were right. <laughs> let's get into this a bit more and we'll start with the history of this festival or feast day the name michaelmas is derived from christian theology and the archangel michael the origin of the September 29th Feast of St. Michael can be traced to the dedication of a basilica in his honor shortly before 600 CE in a village near Rome. According to the entry in the Salem Press Encyclopedia, quote, observance of the feast day then spread to a gradually increasing number of holy places under his patronage. Many of the churches and chapels dedicated to him were erected on the tops of hills or mountains in Western Europe. Of them, the French monastery, Mont Saint-Michel, is the most famous. In the late 19th century, it was declared a national monument and is now one of the most popular tourist attractions in France.
0: So, St. Michael is considered one of the principal angelic warriors who fought against Satan and his angels. So he's also considered a protector against the dark of night. It makes sense, then, that Michaelmas is celebrated when darker nights and colder days are beginning to edge in with the coming of winter. According to Ben Johnson from Historic UK, he says, the celebration of Michaelmas is associated with encouraging protection during these dark months. It was believed that negative forces were stronger in darkness, and so families would require stronger defenses during the later months of the year.
1: It's also worth mentioning that there are some idiosyncrasies with when Michaelmas is celebrated based on different historical calendars and religious observances, but it is most broadly celebrated on September 29th.
0: There are a lot of customs that have developed around Michaelmas in Western Europe, and not surprisingly, some of the most prominent customs revolve around food since it became an occasion for feasting, which... I am into. I don't know. I don't know if I do enough feasting in my life. We need more
1: feasts, you know? Not just a dinner, not just Mm -hmm. a party, Mm -hmm. but a feast. So one of the foods associated with Michaelmas is blackberries. According to Marion McGarry in her article, the Michaelmas customs associated with September 29th in Ireland, legend goes that, quote, the devil defeated by St. Michael in battle and having fallen from the sky, Onto a blackberry bush, defecated on the fruit as revenge. What a delightful tale! In Ireland, it is the malicious puka who soiled the blackberries. Either way, children were warned not to pick and eat them after Michaelmas.
0: So a puka is a—I mean, it's it's a legendary figure in Ireland that um, is kind of associated with horses, and it would kind of like whisk you away. It's kind of a troublemaker. Some people also think that like Puck from *Midsummer Night's Dream* is based on the puka legend from ireland so you know a mischievous character soiling blackberries as she says i mean that's very in character with the puka legend yeah i love everything about this <laughs> i just i have to laugh because i mean like blackberries are not really that great after this date anyway just you know they're going to obviously be deteriorating yeah but i love that they're like Let's just lean into some scatological legends, right? To discourage kids from eating blackberries. So, you know, eat those all before Michaelmas afterwards. Don't touch those. Oof.
1: In the British Isles, it is also tradition to eat goose on Michaelmas to protect against financial need in the coming year. There is a popular saying, eat a goose on Michaelmas Day, want not for money all the year. I need to hear from listeners if this is something that people still say today, right. if this is still a common modern-day saying to tell people, eat a goose on Michaelmas Day, want not for money all the year. Please email us.
0: <laughs> well, so, so, you know, why, why are they fixated on roast goose? And you'll get a lot of different answers for this, why, why the roast goose is a Michaelmas tradition. So, for example, McGarry says that the tradition in Ireland comes from, quote, a legend about the son of an Irish king that choked on a goose bone he had eaten. He was restored to life by St. Patrick, and the grateful king ordered that every Michaelmas, a goose, be sacrificed in the saint's honor. And then there's another tradition, according to Johnson, and that is that in England, it was said that, when Queen Elizabeth I heard of the defeat of the Armada, she was dining on goose and resolved to eat it on Michaelmas Day, and others followed suit. Johnson then continues to point out that the tradition could also have just developed around the role of Michaelmas Day, because that's when the debts were due. So he suggests, quote, tenants requiring a delay in payment may have tried to persuade their landlords with gifts of geese. I like all of those options. I- I'm choosing to believe all of those happened. Yes. This
1: mention of payments and landlords really brings us back to Austin's use of Michaelmas in her novels, and one of the main reasons it is a significant date in English culture. Michaelmas is one of four quarter days in a year. Those days are Lady Day, 25th of March, Midsummer, 24th of June, Michaelmas, 29th of September, and Christmas, 25th of December. They are spaced three months apart on religious festivals, usually close to the solstices
0: or equinoxes. It's worth pointing out that there were Celtic quarter days that were observed. So those are Imbolc, which occurs on February 1st. It's also St. Bridget's Day. Then there's Beltane, that's celebrated on May 1st. Lunasa, which is celebrated on August 1st. And Samhain, which is November 1st. And so these are now called cross-quarter days and fall about halfway into each of the English quarters but they are still they are still present and visible days of note.
1: Furthermore, according to Johnson, quote, It used to be said that harvest had to be completed by Michaelmas, almost like the marking of the end of the productive season and the beginning of the new cycle of farming. It was a time at which new servants were hired or land was exchanged and debts were paid. This is how Michaelmas came to be the time for electing magistrates, and also the beginning of legal and university terms.
0: So this is really the time where, like, there's a lot happening at Meckleness. This is the time for school to start, the time for local elections and legal terms. It's the time for harvest and the end of the agricultural cycle. It's when you could attend village hiring fairs or mop fairs to gain new employment or new employees, depending on your status. It's when laborers got paid. It's when rent was due. I mean, so much is happening here.
1: I mean, it really is a day where so much is happening. And so it makes sense why it comes up so much in Austen's works, like, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. as a point of reference for yeah. for time passing on.
0: It's an entire, like, like culturally a ginormous amount of things happening. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So it's fairly easy to see why Pride and Prejudice would start off with Netherfield Park being lit around Michaelmas. It also makes a lot of sense that something like this would be the event that kickstarts introductions to new neighbors, shaking up some of the regular social scene at Longbourn. Mrs. Bennett is ready for this. Mm -hmm. You know, so shaking up some of the regular social scene at Longbourn specifically and Meryton more generally. This is something the entire community is going to be aware of the fact that this huge estate has been let.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to generate like a lot of new people, not just the Bingleys, but Their whole household staff, like there's a lot that's going, you know, there's a new employment for people. It's actually a very, very significant introduction to this cult, to this little society.
1: It makes sense why Mrs. Bennett is so excited about it. Yeah. Netherfield Park (laughs) is lit at last, you know, this house that has been sitting empty. And Mm -hmm. finally, finally, we've got a new household moving in. And Mm -hmm. guess what? He's single. He's single.
0: And it's interesting because Austen does use Michaelmas frequently as a marker of time in her works. According to Ruta Kaufman's book, The Architecture of Space Time in the Novels of Jane Austen, quote, Austen arranges the events of her plots in relation to calendar and liturgical cycles. The houses are let at Michaelmas, there are parties for Christmas and Midsummer. In the novels, these periods, Christmas, Easter, Midsummer, and Michaelmas often mark critical and pivotal moments in the narrative.
1: Kaufman's theory of calendar cycles explains why, at the end of Pride and Prejudice, Bingley's return to Netherfield takes place almost exactly a year after his initial arrival and is marked by Mrs. Bennett's comment, I began to be afraid you would never come back again. People did say you meant to quit the place entirely at Michaelmas, but however,
0: I hope it is not true. She is subtly digging for information here, right? <laughs> Michaelmas shows up throughout Austin's writing. And sometimes it's just a passing reference, but there are a couple of specific examples that do pertain to the plot and what's happening. In Sense and Sensibility, for example, Michaelmas does come up specifically four different times and always in connection with marriage, three times specifically in, connex- in connection with the parsonage at Delaford that's on Colonel Brandon's estate. And it's with speculation about, you know, when, when Edward will be taking over that living. But we're not sure which woman is going to be there with him. Is it, is it Lucy? Is it Eleanor?
1: Who can say? We just, we don't know. And apparently, apparently Edward doesn't know either. So
0: <laughs> We'll find out around Mikmus.
1: In Mansfield Park, it also comes up in relation to rents and potential weddings when Henry Crawford is speaking to Mr. Price and subtly hints that at next Michaelmas, he hopes he'll be getting married to Fanny. Mansfield, Southerton, Thornton, Lacey, he continued. What a society will be comprised in those houses. And at Michaelmas, perhaps, a fourth may be added. Some small hunting box in the vicinity of everything so dear. For as to any partnership in Thornton, Lacey, as Edmund Bertram once good humouredly proposed, I hope I foresee two objections. Two fair, excellent, irresistible <laughs> objections to that plan. Wink, nudge, Fanny. <laughs> he's smooth, you know that Henry Crawford.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and to say this to her, to, to Fanny's father, you know, he's like, "Hey, you know, next Michaelmas, don't worry, I've got your daughter." He's
1: like, "Let me declare
0: my intentions to all and <laughs> sundry, even when Fanny does not want me to." <laughs> mm-hmm. And one of the other kind of important references to Michaelmas comes from Persuasion. Michaelmas marks the date when the Crofts take on the lease of Kellynch Hall and introduce the potential for run ins with a certain dashing naval captain. <laughs> and what I'm really seeing here is I'm starting to see a pattern. I'm thinking, is Michaelmas low key Austin's favorite meet cute season? It's just, it's ripe with possibilities. Right? So many fresh opportunities. And since it's Michaelmas today when this comes out, this is potentially the meat cute season opener, right?
1: So this is your moment. Good luck out there, everyone. Out there, yes. <laughs> and if you have a successful Nicklamis Meat cute we want to hear about it. So much. I mean, really, truly, please email <laughs> us. You can find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, TheThingAboutAustin.com. And email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com.
0: And stay tuned for next episode, where we will be talking about Lady Bertram's flower garden with guest Dr. Menglu Gao.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.